What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by a very special guest, former University of Michigan and NFL wide receiver Ron Bellamy. Coach Ron Bellamy then transitioned from his NFL career to coaching one of Michigan's elite high school football programs. We are pleased to welcome now head football coach at West Bloomfield High School, Coach Ron Bellamy. How's it going, Coach Bellamy? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, Thank you guys for having me on tonight. Yeah, of course. And so in high school, we all know uh, you were a track star as well as a football star. So at what point in high school did you see more potential in your football than track career? Probably my junior year of high school when I started, uh, my, my football offers became uh, bigger than my track offers. Uh, both my parents were all-state track runners in high school and they went to college on track scholarships. But uh, you know, I, I kind of wanted to use track to help me uh, develop my football career, which it was, you know, which it did, and I was I was fortunate to have multiple offers. Yeah, and you obviously went to the University of Michigan, and what was like the best part of getting going to there and playing for the football program? Uh, man, great question. It was. Knowing that you were going to play in front of 110,000 people, uh, what what a unique experience that was! Uh, in high school, I played in front of 10,000 people, which which is a lot for uh, pretty big for a football crowd, high school football crowd. But it hails in comparison to the 110,000 you will see at Michigan. Uh, you know that, and and you know my freshman year in college, Tom Brady was my quarterback. So when you're in high school and, and Tom Brady gives you gives you a call and Tom Brady's helping bring you to the University of Michigan, you don't say no to Tom Brady. So how was that uh, playing with Tom Brady that freshman year? Was it a cool experience knowing how great he is today? Yeah, obviously at the time, no one could uh, project that he was going to be arguably the GOAT of, of the NFL, right? Um, but but you knew he was he was destined for greatness. Tom's an ultimate competitor. He's a great teammate. Uh, he shows great leadership skills, but, uh, but nonetheless, man, it was, it was an honor to play with Tom Brady and be his teammate. Yeah. I know you said you only were there with him for one year, but are you still used to talk to him or close with him at all? Yeah. So my, uh, my first two and a half years in the NFL, I played for the Miami Dolphins. So we're in the same division as the New England Patriots. So I would see Tom twice a year, you know, football games and, you know, uh, you know, Tom has a has a, a very great memory, and we're able to kind of talk and and you know, kind of catch up. And and obviously, uh, Tom doesn't come to Ann Arbor often, but when he does, uh, a lot of the former players will kind of get together, and, and I usually you know I see him occasionally, a time or two, at a at a Michigan event. Yeah. So. You you were went from playing from ten thousand in front of ten thousand to like a hundred and ten thousand. Mm-hmm. So did you find it a little nerve wracking playing in the big house right in your freshman season? So I, I'm gonna give you this funny story. Um, so I, I visited the University of Michigan, but I never went to a football game. I had never been to a, because my high school. Uh, I'm from originally from Louisiana. So we played on Saturdays, Saturday afternoons, around the time when Michigan was playing. So I never got a chance to go to a game. But when I got there, you know, I've seen pictures. I've seen videos, obviously. My first game in Michigan, we played Notre Dame. So I was a punt returner. So we got out there first. So when I first got out there, it was maybe 10,000 people, right? 10,000 people in a big house looks empty. Looks like no one's there. 
all right, so I'm just sitting here like, man, the big house, man, this, this isn't what it was cracked up to be. So then I go in the locker room and, you know, get ready for the offense to come out. So come out there with the offense, and that's about 50,000 people there. And it's like, okay, all right, I see more people, but it's still not 100,000 people, you know. It's still half full. It's like, ah, I'm still not. So we go in for the last time. Coach Carr, we, we done, we're done warming up. Lloyd Carr is my head coach. He comes in and gives his pregame speech. And as we're running out, the older guys on the team, you know, it's our very first time running out to touch the banner. They're like, listen, when you're running to touch the banner, don't look in the stands. Because if you do, you're going to jump. Try, You're going to miss, miss time you jump. You're going to fall. You're going to trample. We're all going to fall down. So make sure you guys pay attention. So I just remember, I remember 10,000 people being there, approximately 50,000. And then we came out, and I just I remember just stopping in a tunnel and taking it all in. It was 112,000 people, very first time I ever played at the big house. And I remember I was frozen. I, I, I was stuck there, and I didn't know what to do. And then I was like, go, go, go. I was like, all right. And I ran in and touched the banner, and I just soaked up that, that moment in my memory. And that's forever ingrained in my mind. Yeah, there's nothing like playing in the big house. So after your collegiate career, what you obviously went to the NFL. So what was the hardest part about transitioning from the collegiate level to the pro level? So for me, I went as an undrafted free agent. I had some injuries my senior year in college. My junior senior year, I was relatively healthy in high school. And, um, you know, went to the combine. I had a pretty solid combine. But I missed the four, first three games of my senior year in college. And um, whatever, went undrafted, which, you know, everyone wants to get drafted. But I did. And I signed with the Miami Dolphins. And the hardest thing was trying to make it out as an undrafted free agent. It's almost like you come into college and being like a zero star, right? You have to kind of prove your worth. And for me, I had to do that. And, and you know, the kids use this terminology uh, this day and age, get it out the mud, right? So, so I, had to, I had to literally try to get it out the mud. And uh, I just fought my way in, made the team. And uh, But the, the, the biggest thing is, I take away from playing on all three levels, uh, high school, college, and pro, is the relationships. There's nothing like Friday nights. I'm telling you. As great as it was playing on Saturdays in a big house, as great as it is playing on Sundays in the NFL and getting paid for playing football, those Friday nights, man, they're sacred. They, they, they mean a lot, you know, and, um, and that's the thing that, that's the thing I miss most about, uh, about playing football was, was the camaraderie and the brotherhood that you would, that you make with the with the fellow guys. Um, at Michigan, I had teammates from all over the country, and then obviously in the NFL, the same thing happens. Uh, but uh, but it was a unique experience for me. Yeah. So we were talking to a baseball player on a different podcast, and what was it like just hanging out with the guys in the locker room after a win, getting hyped up? What What was that feeling? At what level? On what level? College. College and NFL. A college, oh man, it's cool, man. It's it's uh, you know, the difference is is in in college is the only one sport where if you lose, you can knock yourself out of playing for a championship, right? You know, high school, you could as long as you win six games, five games, you could make it to the playoffs. You compete for a championship. NFL, you just gotta win. You know, however many games it is to to, to be one of the top eight teams, uh, top six teams in your division. Whereas college, if you lose one or two games, you're essentially you're done from chasing a championship so every win was big time man and i just remember uh, um 
winning and you know we won more than we lost and you win and you 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 go out you know you have some you know your party that's what college kids do and you know you have a good time and i remember the losses too and i remember the losses more than the wins because they hurt more you have a lot of sleepless nights and um you wake up in the morning just like many fans do and you check to see where you drop in the rankings you know uh so, uh, you know, that was, like I said, that was, a, that was a cool experience, but I'm fortunate that we won more than we lost at Michigan. As we all know, you were obviously a D1 athlete. What's it like, like, having to tell people, like, you can't go to parties and stuff because you have practice or you have a game or a workout? No, it's just, it, it, you know, it's just called self-discipline. You have to be able to, you, you have to be able to balance. You got to have a good work balance, you know, balance of help, uh the academic balance, you got to have the football balance, and then you got to have your own social life. You got to be able to balance those three things out. And usually the guys who struggle balancing them out are the guys who are not successful, as or I should say as successful as some others. Um, but I didn't have a problem with that simply because I had a goal in mind, and my goal was to make sure, first and foremost, I graduated from the University of Michigan. And then the football part is I love football, so – I knew I had to be disciplined in that regard. And you take care of your business academically, football-wise, and then you have a little free time to yourself to, to, you know, to enjoy whatever time you have left. Yeah, Coach. So, obviously, it's probably one of your most memorable parts about playing in Michigan. But so the game, of course, against Ohio State. Do you have any great memories about playing against Ohio State? Yeah, man. I, you know, not being from not being from the state of Michigan – uh, you hear about the rivalry, and where I'm from in Louisiana, LSU is our main school, and LSU doesn't have a rival like that. You know, we don't, especially you know, uh, within a conference. So when I got to Michigan, I had no idea uh, the week leading up to the game. I, I would, let me fast rewind it. When I got on campus, the big thing was beat Ohio State, beat Ohio State, beat Ohio State, and I'm saying here like, man, we don't play them to the last game of the year. Why are we talking about that in the summertime? You know, let's focus on Notre Dame, who's a rival. They're like, you don't get it. You got to beat Ohio State. So uh, that was something that was ingrained, ingrained from day one was to beat Ohio State. And, you know, playing in my very first Michigan-Ohio State game, we played at the big house. And, man, you talk about, yeah, all our games were packed, but this was just a different energy. You, this is this is for, for us, it was for the Big Ten Championship. It was for an opportunity for bragging rights, you know, the greatest rival in all the college sports. You know, the hits hurt a little harder. The hits sound a little louder. You know, uh, the games played a little faster. You know, you, you see guys soaking up that moment, and there's so much focus on, on the guys. Yeah, what would you say the difference between playing Ohio State and the difference between playing teams like Michigan State or Notre Dame? Great question. I always tell people, and there's no disrespect to Michigan State, Ohio State is more of the I trust you know I I've grown to be different now that I'm a high school football coach but I hated Ohio State yeah I, I hate them I want to beat them everything I do against Ohio State I want to beat them you know and I feel the same way about Michigan State and I feel the same way about Notre Dame I would say this about Michigan State Michigan State's that one kid in class you look at that you just can't stand like that kid walks into class you're like damn man I, all of a sudden you just have a bad day because you hate that kid. Or it's your next-door neighbor who doesn't cut their grass. Or your next-door neighbor that complains that your music's loud, right? You just hate them. You just 
I hate you, you know? Whereas Ohio State and Michigan State after the game, it's like punching, spitting, biting, scratching. It's it's one of those games. Whereas Ohio State is you hate them, but after the game, you shake their hand, you look them in the eye, you say, good game. And I think that's the same thing for Notre Dame as well, you know? But Michigan State is more of it's a nasty, you know, rivalry uh, for us in Michigan. Whoever wins that game, they, they, we win, we get to block him in our locker room. We lose. You got an S that you got to look at in locker room for 365 days. Yeah, so <laughs> transitioning into your coaching career now. So what did you see in the West Bloomfield football program that made you take the job initially? So funny story. Uh, one of my good friends, Jeff Sakwa, uh, he's best friends with my agent at the time. And once I was done playing football, uh, I, I wanted to, you know, he's like, hey, you should come volunteer at our high school. You know, I knew nothing about, I, I knew a little bit about West Bloomfield. My wife's originally from Bloomfield Hills. She went to Marion. So I knew a little about the high school. So I went over, I, I came to West Bloomfield and I volunteered for a year and I fell in love with it. You know, I had no aspirations of coaching or teaching, anything to that. that I, I'd be lying if I said that was my goal. It wasn't. Um, but I spent that one year and I fell in love with it. And I say, man, this might be my calling. So, uh, you know, the year uh, when the season was over, about a couple months later, our head coach was originally from Tennessee. He went to move back home to Tennessee, so we didn't have a head coach. So all of a sudden, they were like, you want to be the head coach? I'm like, whoa, no, not me. I just like helping out. So I went back to college. So I went up applying for the job and receiving, um, becoming a head coach at West Bloomfield. And I went back to college. I had my degree from Michigan. I went to Wayne State and I got my master's in education and teaching. And um, the, that's how that's how I kind of got into West Bloomfield. It was just, it was destiny, you know. I, I felt like the stars aligned and, and got me there. And it's been a blessing, you know, ever since. So, for the, so you, of course, have a lot of talented players on your team, a, l- a couple of them getting recruited to go D1. So for the select students, uh, student athletes who have the opportunity to get recruited, how do they balance the responsibility of being a student athlete along with the recruiting process? Yeah, I, you know, we, we it's, it's called culture. You know, the, the word I, I would like to use to define that. As soon as you step foot on West Bloomfield in the ninth grade, the one thing we talk about is making sure you are a student athlete and, you know, you're representing not only yourself, but your families in the school building. And the one thing that we challenge our kids with is, uh, you know, every two weeks I check their grades. You know, I'm a stickler about that. Um, I was a really good student in high school, and my expectations are for them to maintain academic uh, excellence as well. And... You know, once, you know, sometimes it takes some longer than others. It might take a kid a couple years to kind of figure out how to do the school thing. And then others kind of figure it out, uh, figure it out very quickly because of the foundation at their homes. But now kids do well academically, socially. And then obviously on Friday nights, that's the easy part for them, right? That, that's what they do. And, um, and, and our kids have bought into the philosophy of if you're a good person, you're a good student, and you're a ball on Friday nights, College is going to come knocking on your door. And they, and like I said, I, I call that culture. And they bought into the culture. Yeah, so the coronavirus pandemic has unfortunately stopped all football activities, including team practices. So what do you expect of your players to get their bodies right for next season, get conditioned? Yeah, so what we're doing is um, this has been a pivotal. Uh, this has hurt us a lot simply because 
uh, college coaches usually, man, we get over 100 coaches in the spring to come visit West Bloomfield. It's, it's, it's crazy. And obviously, we don't have that luxury. So we've been on Zoom calls with um, colleges. And I've talked to everyone from uh, Ed Ogeron at LSU to Nick Saban to uh, Lincoln Riley, Dabble Sweeney, Jim Harbaugh, you name it. I've talked to Mel Tucker, Michigan State. So I've talked to all of them, uh, you know, over this, you know, over this pandemic. But um, but the big thing is for us is, you know, there's some colleges who've given us some at home workouts. And, um, you know, we've had Zoom meetings ourselves with our football team at West Bloomfield, just trying to give our kids uh, making sure they're doing something. You know, uh, obviously, it's not mandatory or anything to that nature, but make sure our kids are practicing social distancing and, and make sure they're still able to stay in somewhat shape. So when we do get that phone call that says that we're able to come back and resume our workouts, you know, we're not too far behind. As we know, I'm pretty sure you're highly on all of the teams you've ever coached. But what would you say that your favorite or most memorable team you've ever had at West Bloomfield was? Ooh, it's a good one. Um, ooh, that's a, that's a good question. The 2017 state championship team. I mean, that was a great one that I personally watched. I love watching those guys. They went yeah, out there and fought that, every game. That's a good one. That's a real good one. Um, and the reason why that's a fun one is because we start adversity. Uh, I believe every person should should go through some type of. Now, obviously, we don't control adversity. You know, sometimes we we create adversity for ourselves. But I think everyone should go through some type of adverse situation situation at some point in their life. Right, because that builds character. And for our football team, we were the number one preseason ranked team in the state of Michigan, and we got out to a zero and two start. We lost to Wall Lake Western, which uh, you know we were better than them, but we lost. Then we lost to our neighbors Bloomfield Hills uh, Blackhawks after blowing the seventeen point lead. And we had a couple. We had one kid, our starting running back towards ACL, and our starting tight end broke his leg. A lot of the hardest part is. You're dealing with 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. You don't know how they're going to respond, but you try to build those moments as a coach as much as possible. And needless to say, we rallied the troops. You know, We dropped from number one in the state all the way to like number 20, 25 in the state. And we rallied all the way up. We won 11 straight games up to that state championship game. And then we became the number one, we became the you know, top three team in the state by years in. So that just kind of, you know, that was why that was one of my favorite teams, simply because of uh, because of the adversity that those guys faced being preseason number one and falling out to 0-2 early on. Um, yeah. Real quick, I know I was at that state championship game. How, like, how did it feel to just, with knowing that you could have, there was a lot of, like, weird things that happened in that game that you guys yeah. didn't score and it was... Like what? it was crazy. I never, I never, I've been a part of football for a very long time, and many others have. I've never seen anything like that. That score, three to two in a football game. I, I'm still. Sometimes I go back. I was there. I watched the film. And I'm like, how did this happen? You know, because we we scored, we beat them thirty seven to sixteen in a regular season. And if you talk to their coaches, they're still trying to. After the game, it was weird. It was like, what just happened? You know. To have a three to two game, but uh, you know, a lot of it is, you know, it's the nerves. You know, uh, first time playing in, you know, for a lot of kids, I had experienced it before because I played the state championship game in high school, 
and um, obviously playing on playing playing in a dominant high school football program. And for me, playing at Michigan, playing in the NFL, that moment wasn't big for me. But if you never experienced that moment before, it could be too big. And you know, I didn't do as well of a job of preparing them as I could have. But you know, you live and you learn. And if we get that opportunity to go to Ford Field again, I'll be ready for it. Yeah, you mentioned in high school, you went from playing from 10,000 people to a big number of people obviously going to Michigan. What did you have to tell your young your young high schoolers, as you mentioned? What did you have to tell them to prepare for this game at the fourth field? You know, we always tell our kids one play at a time. Uh, you know, you win that snap. No matter what happened the previous play, you play the next snap, you get ready for it. Um, you know, we use, we use this thing called selective amnesia. You know, uh, we want you to forget about what happened, but also understand why it happened. And uh, we, we, we kind of live by that motto, and, and our kids usually are successful doing so. But, you know, when we play teams, uh, you know, you know, kudos to Clarkson who beat us. Uh, they had a good game plan. They knew they couldn't just get on the field and match us athletically because we'd have ran them off the football field like we did early in the year. They had a good game plan, and one of the things that they wanted to do was slow the game down. Um, they wanted to, to limit the amount of possessions we had, and they did that. And, and sometimes it frustrates you uh, as a coach and a player because now you're, you're figuring, man, I only might, I might see the ball two or three more times. I got to score. If I don't, then we're not going to put up points. And inevitably, that's what happened to us in that game. Did you have any players that were just – you could tell they were off their game and they were just really nervous for that game? They all were. They all were nervous. You know, I, I wouldn't say they're off their game. Um, I feel like if I say that, then I'd be discrediting uh, Clarkston. Um, I just feel like we didn't play our best game, and, and that includes coaches and players. We played better, you know, and um, the part that sucks the most is that it, it wasn't just a regular game. It was a championship game that, you know, you don't get many opportunities, and we let one get away, you know. Uh, but but needless to say, I'm, I'm still proud of them. We made the whole West Bloomfield community proud, and, um, what a feeling, you know, hopefully we get back there. I know we definitely have. We built a program that every year we expect to win a championship, and that wasn't always the case. You know, most coaches can't really say they have five guys or more going to Division One programs each year. So what is it like to see some of your guys ranked as the highest guys in the country? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. That's my most favorite part about coaching football. Um you know, the championships, they're going to come. Uh, the winning, they're going to come with good players, you know. But my favorite day is not championship Saturday. My favorite day is signing day, that Wednesday. You know, uh, I love watching our boys play. Uh, I mean, man, it's nothing like coming home on a Saturday, putting on the BTN, putting on the SEC Network, or, or watching Tuesday, watching matching, uh, or watching Division Two football and tracking where all your players are playing. Um one of my coaches in the last, uh, the past eight years, we've put 65 kids in college playing football. Um, that's mind-boggling, you know, to, to have that many kids playing college ball. And it's a testament to uh, the support that we get at West Bloomfield. Uh, it's, it's, it's a testament to the kids and their hard work, the sacrifices they're making, and players and coaches. So we're honored, man, just to be a part of that uh, culture at West Bloomfield. 
Jeff yeah. Brady. That, that must be amazing, just seeing, like, those kids are like your family. You're with them so much every day mm-hmm. after school and game days. I mean, you, your bond probably with them is insane. And to think you put those kids one step closer to achieving their dreams, that must just be an amazing feeling. So, it is. Yes, it yeah, is. So, a lot of kids probably want to grow up. They want to be like those players. They want to succeed in high school football. So what advice would you give to those players who would like to succeed in high school football? Yeah, I, the first thing I would tell them is, you know, write your goals down. Set some goals for yourself. Write your goals down. And once you do that, then you got to come up with short-term, how you're going to achieve those goals. And the first thing I say is make sure academically you're taking care of your business. You want to build that foundation academically. And and I think with academics comes character. You No, no one wants to be associated with a bad person. You know, your character is what you what, who you are. And that's what I tell our kids. Your character is who you are, you know, and, and making sure you have a high level of character. And from there, man, hard work. You know, the old saying, hard work speaks talent when talent doesn't work hard. So so we like to make sure that, you know, I, I've always, that's been my creed. Do well in school, be a good person, and bust your butt in whatever you do. And success is going to follow you. Yeah, so what's the secret to success at WB? I mean, a lot of programs have a lot of talented players, but you seem to get more out of them and get them to play better as a team. And why is that? Uh, it's a competitive environment. You know, everything the kids do, you want them competing in. You know, I, I want to see who, who drinks their who drinks their pop the fastest, you know. I want to see who, you know, I, my favorite is when the kids compete in who got the highest grade on the test, right? Who has the higher GPA, who have a higher GPA. I, when they compete like that, I know that we have something special brewing because now you carry all those competitive spirits to the football field. And man, you should see these kids in the weight room. It's 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 a beautiful it's a beautiful thing watching these kids compete with each other in the weight room. You know when we're conditioning, and that breeds competition breeds success. You know uh, it, it's it's something that's developed. You know, when we're all born, we're not born in a competitive state. That's something over the course of time that we develop. And and we try to, that's one of the biggest things that I try to develop is, is competition, myself and our coaches. And, you know, so far it's working. So hopefully we got to, you know, step it up a notch. Yeah, because of your success, you know, at West Bloomfield, you see and hear from a lot of different coaches at, all the time at the college level, especially power five conferences what would you say the biggest recruiting difference between the schools are start with like teams with like michigan michigan state and ohio state yeah um you know obviously michigan and ohio state they're what we call brand schools uh that logo right the block m in michigan you could put that almost anywhere in the country and it's recognizable um when you think of Michigan, you think of some of the greats. You know, you think of Tom Brady's, the Charles Woodson's, the Braylon Networks of the world. You know, you think of some, you know, Desmond Howard. You think of some very powerful football players. Uh, you know, same thing about Ohio State. When you see, uh, you know, you see that big O for Ohio State, you know, sometimes some people may say it's overrated. But, you know, but in uh, all truthfulness, um, you know, uh, it holds weight across the country. So when these coaches come in and recruit, man, they, they're aggressive recruiters and they want the best of the best. Whereas, whereas I think Michigan State, with the recent success they've had, um, you know, they may not have the same weight on the road as a Michigan or Ohio State, but uh, but but they do a good job recruiting as well. Now, the STC schools are it's hard, man. It's, it's hard to uh, when you're a Midwestern state. 
And, you know, half the time you're playing in cold, cold weather where you're in a southern state, everything looks pretty year round. You know, um, when, when you are like an Alabama, when a Nick Saban, um, I don't know if you guys saw a picture I posted of me and Nick Saban when Nick Saban came to West Bloomfield. That, like, a lot of head coaches come through the front of the school and, you know, kids take pictures and it's cool. When Nick Saban came to school, I had to hide him. Like, he had to come through a, a back door. And, and simply because he would shut the school down. And I had the kids see Nick Saban, everyone would have got out their classroom to kind of meet Nick Saban. Um, that's what you're faced with when you're recruiting against the SEC. Um, I lie, you know, we got our, we have the number two running back in the nation in West Bloomfield, now Donovan Edwards. And, you know, when Georgia comes or, or when Georgia's recruiting him, you know, you talk about uh, Todd Gurley, you talk about Sony Michelle, you know, now, you know, uh, the kid that the Lions just drafted, uh, what's the kid's yeah, name? Uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. Swift. DeAndre Swift. Swift. Yes. So, you know, all those dudes are going first and early second round. It's hard to compete against that. And now, you know, my, my native state, Louisiana, you got uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, he gets drafted first round and LSU wins a national championship. Alabama's won a million national championships. LSU's uh, Georgia lost a national You know, so it's hard to compete with those dudes when, you know, all they do is win. Have you seen a big turn in LSU's recruiting since they won the national championship? Do you think that's helped them a lot? LSU has always pulled in the top, top-notch top classes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. In the state of Louisiana, in the state of Michigan, who does Michigan compete with? Michigan and Michigan State, ultimately, they're fighting for kids in our state, right? And then you might have Ohio State or Penn State or Notre Dame um, that come in and might they might steal a kid or two every year. But in Louisiana, they get first dibs on kids. Now, they can't get everyone, nor do they want everyone, but they're going to acquire the top talent in Louisiana. So LSU has always historically had top 10 recruiting classes. The thing that was like it from LSU has always been a quarterback, right? You know, they, they've always struggled at that position for the most part. Now, you see what happens when you get a quarterback and a guy like Joe Burrow, you know, uh, uh, what's, what's the quarterback's name at LSU? Uh, yeah, Joe Burrow. You know, he comes in there, comes from Ohio State, and leads him to a national championship. Um, the, the talent in Louisiana is, is unbelievable. Um, I grew up, Eli Manning's a good friend of mine. And um, Eli and I, we graduated high school the same year and went to football camps together. And uh, he's Louisiana, Peyton Manning's Louisiana, Ed Reed, Reggie Wayne, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, uh, the Honey Badger, uh, Leonard Fournette. You know, all of us are from the same state. And it's crazy. Uh, um, I don't know if you guys watch ESPN, but um, one of my high school teammates, uh, Ryan Clark on ESPN, well, he's my high school teammate. So it's, it's, it's crazy, man, the amount of talent that's in that state. And uh, it, it's, it's pretty cool. Do you, do you seem to have a special bond with those uh, Louisiana guys? Do you, do you find yourself uh, sharing that bond and you'll always be friends with them through the rest of your life, you think? Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it, man. We're proud of our state. We're proud of where we come from. Uh, you know, most of us uh, are, are from New Orleans and um, our football, man, football is like it's, it's like a it's like a, a culture. It's like a religion there. You know, people, we have our own Friday night uh, high school football shows. And, you know, it, it's just it's nothing like it, man. It's it's people breeding, uh, eat, sleep football, man. That's what it is. And it's, it's big time out there. Yeah, we talked a little bit about 
schools like Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Let's talk about some other schools in Michigan or maybe even the Big Ten or like smaller schools in the Midwest. What would you say some programs that maybe don't get a lot of attention but are doing things the right way? Um, like, you know, I like the Indianas of the world, the Illinois of the world. Uh, I love those schools. Um, Rutgers, uh, Maryland, you know, Iowa, Wisconsin. You know, Iowa and Wisconsin, they, they, you know, no one really talks about them. You think about Wisconsin, you think about, you think about cheeseheads, right? You think about Iowa, you think about just farming, right? But, but those programs have come in year in and year out and they've made some noise in the Big Ten and they've, uh, you know, they've, they for sure put some guys in the NFL and, and, and those are two proud of uh, football programs. Um, Minnesota, P.J. Fleck, you know, we had him here you know, in our state, Western Michigan. He's done a phenomenal job, man. That's an up-and-coming program. And you're going to see Minnesota make some noise, man. They're going to, you know, they're going to upset some people next year, and, and, and they're going to be forced to be reckoned with. So Coach Fleck has those guys rolling. And uh, Scott Frost over out in Nebraska, those guys are, are, are paving the way for themselves as well. So I, I love the direction the Big Ten is going. Uh, it's, it's getting more and more competitive uh, with these young coaches taking over and, and, and putting their stamps on these programs. Yeah, so you have a great number of uh, D1 uh, players getting recruited. So do you ever see like their egos becoming a problem or a distraction to the team in practice? Or do you think uh, the players are humble and do a good job being a good teammate? They do. Um, you know, we don't mind challenging our kids. Uh you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, a f- football is what you do. It's not who you are. But, but you know, we make sure that our kids understand that, you know, it could be given and it could be taken away, you know, with, by, you know, if you're not handling your business in a classroom or by an injury. So our kids do love uh, maintain a high level of humbleness. And they understand that uh, it's an opportunity that many would wish, you know, wish that they had. So with you having coaches coming into practice, do you see guys like go another level in practice, seeing those coaches come oh, no doubt. for practice no or games? Like, no they're, oh, they're here. We're stepping it up. So do you and see those practices getting we heat do. sometimes? Yeah, we, we do. We do. I'm telling you, man, you come to one of our football practices, you'll see, you'll see just a bunch of Division One dudes getting after each other. And, um, you know, I cringe sometimes when I see college coaches because guys – you just hope that guys don't try to – they lose the team concept of things and start being individuals. You just hope that that, that doesn't happen. But, uh, but like I said, our kids, they do a pretty good job of, of policing each other, and, and they understand um, – they maintain high level of uh, uh, team-oriented football. So we, you know, we're proud of that. But, but you know, we, we have to have the coaches. It's important to have coaches at your games and practices, in my opinion. Yeah, the players that play at the D1 level, like the first people that come to mind, Taj Mustafa, AJ Abbott, um, do, do you see their competitive? Do you see their competitive competitiveness rise compared to others? No, but but you see, you know that the difference between the Division One and Division Two players not so much their work ethic; it's just their skill level, you know, so, or their size, you know. Um, like an AJ Abbott is six was you know in high school he was six foot two, one hundred eighty five pounds and ran a four four forty. Taj Mustafa was six foot one, one hundred ninety pounds and ran a four five forty. You know uh, that's the difference. Where some of the Division two receivers might be six foot one hundred seventy pounds and run four six forties. You know, so it's not so much the high level competitiveness; it's more or less the skill set, the skill level of these particular players. 
as always, you next year you're probably looking to win a state championship. But what would you say is a certain goal you have for your team? Yeah, I, you know the biggest goal for me, man, is always to, to develop the man. You know, I, I want to develop someone that you could put out in this world, and that they're going to be successful, uh, successful husbands, successful uh, fathers. You know, successful businessmen, successful. Uh, whatever they do, I want them to learn how to compete in the real world and be successful and make people around them better. That's the ultimate goal for me. And when you start working on those character traits that I that I just mentioned, you're going to develop a, a heck of a football player because the skill level's there. It's just about developing those things that help them become the person that they will be later in life. If, yeah, if we have no further questions i want to thank you personally for joining the podcast today we know you obviously have a busy schedule talking to coaches a lot all day and we really we really appreciate you joining us no man thanks you thank you guys for having me man this is uh this is pretty cool man um you know what you guys are doing and i myself uh when i was younger i had ambitions of, of kind of getting into the media and whatnot and you know keep keep striving for your dreams man and, and doing cool things because you guys could, uh, you guys do a good job with this, man. Take it and run with it, man. The sky's the limit. Thank you. Once again, we obviously want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.